Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we will be doing a couple of different discussions. We'll start off with a brief recap of what happened towards the end of yesterday's Tampa Bay Lightning versus Dallas Stars game. If you listened to yesterday's episode where Tampa Bay was at present demolishing the Stars, things didn't really get any better for Dallas, but at least they scored another goal, so... Small victories, I I guess. I don't really know what to say about that. (laughs) At least it wasn't a shutout. After that, we will catch up with a couple of other events, including the actual Patrick Hornquist for Mike Matheson trade, which finally went through after a supposed glitch yesterday that I believed involved some insurance issues. And then to close us out, I am planning to actually do a new start to a series where we talk about some current and contemporary NHLers who probably should end up in the Hall of Fame and why they may or may not actually do so. And what my goal is is to bring on a couple of hosts over the next couple of weeks from each team to talk about which of their players they think could reasonably get there, uh, mostly guys who are currently on the roster and still actively playing. But, you know, if there aren't any players like that on the existing roster, then we can also do a little bit of a deep dive on some more recent players who may not be around with the team anymore. Before we get to all the fun Hall of Fame talk and all that jazz, we will first start off with talking about the end of last night's game in which Dallas really wasn't able to do much of anything against a very good Tampa Bay Lightning team. Tampa basically just stifled Dallas for the rest of the period, and I feel like the third period was... Basically what we saw in the preceding periods where Tampa Bay started dominating stretches of play, you saw Dallas not able to exit its own zone. They really couldn't create any even strength offense. I mean, they had, I don't know if they even had a power player or two at that point, but it didn't really matter just because even on their special teams units, they weren't able to create enough or set up any really good zone possession to actually do something with it and convert on their opportunities. With Stamkos back, I really feel like the series is basically over. I would be shocked if Dallas is able to really pull it out of the fire and either tie it up or at least get a lead in the series because, to be honest, I think Tampa Bay has all of the depth to finish this off. Bringing Stamkos back in, for me, just tilts the balance too heavily against Dallas. I mean, the Stars have played an admirable game, and in some of these games, they've actually been fairly competitive, if not at times the better team. But now Tampa is at the point where their roster is over the hump of being, you know, good, or or even excellent to just amazing. I mean, this is a squad that has the kind of depth you dream of. I don't know that there are any teams out there who could realistically say that they're a cup contender right before they add a superstar goal-scoring talent back in the lineup. I mean, it's just an exceptionally rare occurrence, and I feel like Tampa, at this point, the trophy is theirs to lose. I think the way that they played against Dallas yesterday is a sign of things to come, and Dallas is going to have to really find some well of determination and grit in order to pull this one out. More than anything, they probably need a good dose of luck. Yesterday, a couple of the bounces that maybe could have gone their way went against them, and I feel like that game-tying goal that they missed with Sagan ended up being at least a bit of a turning point in the match. Or at least that's what the fun narrative would be. I I think Dallas was probably cooked either way just because Tampa has enough depth to really wear down all of your depth forwards, especially if you don't have guys like Blake Coleman sitting in your bottom six. Either way, the Stars have an extremely uphill battle, and even though it's only going to be game four tomorrow, I feel like Dallas is definitely feeling a lot of the heat. 
This is a series that they're going to have to fight and scrap for the rest of the way. And if they want to have a shot, they probably need to win tomorrow. I think tomorrow is an absolute must-win game. And if Tampa wins tomorrow, you can probably book a finish on Sunday because I don't think that uh, I don't think Dallas is going to come back otherwise. On a related note to Florida hockey teams, we finally got the actual trade between the Florida Panthers and the Pittsburgh Penguins, exchanging Mike Matheson for Patrick Hornquist. Yesterday, there was a bit of a holdup because I think Hornquist's contract is uninsured, so there was some concern about whether or not that money could actually be moved and whether or not the Panthers were willing to take it on. Insurance is obviously a big deal for injuries, and you know, at Hornquist's age, he is more likely to have more of them than not, so being an uninsured contract would be something of a bitter pill to swallow if you're the Panthers. But in exchange, what they did was they sent Colton Sevier back to Pittsburgh uh, along with uh, Matheson, which basically frees up an additional 1.2 mil. This is kind of an odd trade because, you know, I think Pittsburgh was trying to cut salary and get a position of need, I guess. Um, But instead, they ended up taking on more salary for at least one season, and they definitely have a very long-term contract at Matheson on the books. I spoke at length yesterday about why I feel like trading for Matheson is a bit of a mistake for the Penguins. And, you know, obviously, I think that they view him as a reclamation project. But my take on that is that if you're going to do a reclamation project on a defender, you really don't want somebody who's signed until 2026 at almost $5 million. If you're going to take a gamble, look for guys who have significant upside in some capacity. You know, somebody compared it to a Justin Schultz situation, which Schultz obviously panned out pretty well, but I think that Schultz already had certain traits that made him an extremely effective attacker, and it was more a case of figuring out which team could harness that effectively. Aside from Matheson's shot and his ability to skate with a puck, we haven't really seen much that would indicate that he's actually capable of being more than what he is. Some micro-tracking came out today that suggested he is capable of being a transition skater when he's in possession of the puck, but he also turns it over at least one in five times at even strength, which, if you're a defenseman, that's pretty atrocious. Turning over the puck 20% of the time that you have possession at even strength, to me, is a cardinal sin, especially if you're a backline skater because you're expected to be somebody who is stronger on the puck, who is capable of facilitating build-up play, and who can generally be trusted when placed under significant pressure uh, by a forechecking forward or something. And so the fact that Matheson's not really capable of that, and the fact that he also doesn't really have significantly strong on-ice impacts as is, just speaks to me that he's not going to be a particularly great defender for the Pens. And I think you also have to consider that he is almost $5 million a season. That ain't jump change, and I feel like there would have been somebody who, at least in in terms of on-ice impact, was probably going to be comparable for around a million to a million and a half, especially during COVID times, on the free agency market. Heck, if they signed Dylan DeMello for like half the price or even less, they'd still get more value out of that contract than they did with Matheson. I, I get taking a flyer on guys who maybe are underrated or, or have some talents that have yet to be fully... I guess, married to the right team and fit, but Matheson does not strike me as that kind of player. And I look at this deal and the fact that Sevier also has to go back, to me, just doesn't really make any sense for the Pens. Sevier is definitely one of those high event forwards in that he likes to attack and he's not particularly great at defending in his own end, so you are getting at least an offensive boost, but Sevier's not going to crack that lineup, especially on the forward end, uh, you know, in the starting 12. I, I can't imagine that he does make that team right off the bat. He's probably going to be like a reserves kind of player, and I don't really know why you would pay $1.2 million for somebody like that. When you reasonably could have kept Hornquist on the books for another couple of seasons and signed a free agency defenseman on a cheap deal, and probably gotten the same overall impact as what you just did getting Matheson until 2026 and Sevier for at least one more year. 
if you're Jim Rutherford, I just don't know what you're thinking on this because you didn't improve, and in fact, you made your long-term picture more than likely worse. I'm not an NHL GM, but I can tell you that seems like a needless amount of risk that they've now incurred, and I don't really think it's going to pan out the way that they're hoping. Speaking of hoping things pan out, a lot of folks always have very hot takes when it comes to Hall of Fame nominations. Who deserves to go in? Who doesn't? Yada, yada, yada. You ask any number of people who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and you'll probably get 10 different answers from 10 different people. But obviously there are going to be some players who everyone agrees unanimously should make it in. Up next, we'll talk about some of the players who might really deserve that qualification and a couple of guys who arguably should be in some capacity, but probably won't be nominated because they either didn't win the cup or their career won't be seen as quite as prolific as it should be. We'll dive a bit more into those qualifications in just a bit, but before then, I thought you should hear a little bit more about rockauto.com. Choosing and purchasing replacement parts for your vehicle can be a bit of a challenge, especially if you don't know the landscape all that well, are not a car expert, or just don't really know anything about the market either. RockAuto.com has made the process far easier with an easy-to-navigate, intuitive website that allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and set price range limits so you get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're hunting for an engine control module or a replacement floor mat after you drop that greasy burrito on top of your last one, RockAuto.com's diverse selection is sure to have what you need. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why waste time going out in quarantine and going to auto parts stores that probably don't even have what you need? Trust the fine folks at rockauto.com who have over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry and you'll find an excellent selection of parts at prices you'll love. When you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets show. After talking about current events, I thought I would kind of take us back a little bit and talk about guys in the current NHL who might actually make the Hall of Fame. A lot of these players are going to seem pretty obvious, right? But there are also going to be some cases for guys who maybe aren't going to get nominated, but perhaps deserve that that honor because they either played extremely well and were pivotal to their team's success, whether they won a Stanley Cup or not, but maybe are overshadowed by some of the bigger names on their team. And of course, we'll start with the Washington Capitals and Pittsburgh Penguins, because I think both of these teams really embody both both issues and ends of the spectrum, where you have two clear Hall of Fame candidates and two players who actually have an argument to be in that same conversation, but probably won't be. And of course, the two first ballot Hall of Famers are going to be Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. These are players that everyone knows should get in. I think growing up, they probably define my generation of hockey fans almost entirely because Ovechkin is one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, and Crosby is one of the most gifted playmakers to ever take the ice. Crosby in particular was one of the scariest attacking forwards that I've ever seen because he marries this unique brand of physicality, strength, and skill in a frame that's not afraid to go into the corners and forecheck, but also has one of the best shots in the game. Even in his 30s, Crosby still has the hand-eye coordination that most forwards dream of. This dude is just really built to score goals and be one of the most dangerous playmakers on the ice, no matter who he's playing with. You could probably give him two bags of potatoes on skates as his line mates, and he'd still be a 100-point forward at least. A lot of Crosby's best years, though, were definitely hampered by injuries, and even still, he was able to dominate all of the seasons that he was in the NHL, and he's won several Stanley Cups as a result. When healthy, prime Crosby was one of the most terrifying forwards the league has ever seen, and it's really a shame that we didn't get more of him, even though we've already had so many seasons of his excellent play. The other guy that we're going to talk about is Alexander Ovechkin, and Ovechkin, of course, everyone knows as arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time. I think that the way that he scores goals, his repeatability in in technique and style, and his personality and public-facing image all contribute to make somebody who is, in a lot of respects, larger than life. 
Crosby's kind of a more soft-spoken, almost introverted kind of person. He's not really somebody who likes to go out in front of the media and talk all that much, as far as I can tell. When you listen to his responses, a lot of them are fairly boilerplate. Ovechkin is almost an entirely different archetype. He's very loud, very boisterous. You can tell that he loves to have fun, and he's not afraid to go out and just have a ball no matter where he is. He posts on social media a lot. He likes to have fun at the All-Star Games. I mean, he's just one of those dudes who, especially in his younger years, just kind of let it all hang. You know, you saw him in a couple of commercials where he did, like, these weird rap videos and stuff for these car dealerships. I mean, he, he just didn't really seem to worry too much about what people thought of him. He just loved having fun. He was obviously a very larger-than-life personality, and everyone seemed to know who he was. Both he and Crosby formed this really gruesome twosome of incredible offensive prowess and arguably two of the most gifted players to ever play their particular positions. Suffice it to say that there's a good chance no one ever quite equals what these two have accomplished, either in their branding and image or in their own career successes. The guys who have kind of been living in their shadows but have been equally important to their teams are Nick Backstrom and Evgeny Malkin. And I think of the two, Malkin has a legitimate case to be considered somebody who should actually get some Hall of Fame recognition. While Backstrom has always been a really quiet playmaker who's always very good and in the right positions, Malkin was just in a lot of ways very dominant during his prime. Evgeny at times could even play better than Crosby and was a truly unbelievable force on the ice. For most of his career, he's been bare minimum a point per game, but usually exceeds that. He's posted multiple 100-point-plus seasons throughout his career, and even though he's had injury-shortened seasons, which has probably hurt his stock a bit, Evgeny Malkin, I think it's fair to say, is one of the greatest playmakers the Pens have ever seen. He's so strong on the puck, and I think a lot of people are very excited to see what happens with Quentin Byfield, because Byfield in some ways looks a lot like what Malkin was when he was younger. Evgeny, when he was younger, was incredibly gifted on the puck, and he, he actually still is. I mean, in 55 games this year, at the age of 33, he had 74 points. While Malkin is definitely starting to slow down in terms of his ability to to drive play and completely dominate the ice, this guy is just so good at creating offense out of almost nothing that it's really hard to keep him off of the score sheet. The only way teams tend to shut him down is if he gets injured or something. There aren't many series or games where he gets essentially nullified out of the offensive push because he's such a dominating, imposing, and strong force when he's in possession. Backstrom, I, I think, has slightly less of an argument because as good as Nick has been throughout his career... I don't know if he's the kind of person that would be a really good Hall of Fame entry. You know, he's never been somebody whose image I think really stands out in terms of being a prolific hockey personality. I think that his career scoring record, while still excellent, probably doesn't have the kind of distinction that Ovechkin does. And that's not to say that Backstrom hasn't been at the level of importance for the Capitals as Ovechkin has been. I I just think that in terms of what the Hall of Fame tends to look for, especially in their candidates, I think Nick has a much harder uphill battle to get into that kind of conversation. If the Capitals have like their own Hall of Fame, absolutely Backstrom gets in there. But I think in the pantheon of NHL greats, I I think he would have a really difficult time having the kind of argument to get in beyond Yeah, he might be recognized for his contributions to the Stanley Cup winning team and the continued success of his career where he was one of the most underrated centers throughout the NHL, but I don't think he's kind of in that assertive dominant category where you can point to him and say, yep, he was an incredibly critical piece to his team's success and he deserves to be in that conversation as a Hall of Famer. I think under the hood, I think he was an absolutely crucial part of this Caps team, but, you know, the Caps only won a cup recently, and that was towards the end of Backstrom's career, and maybe because of that, the perception around him won't quite be enough to get him into that Hall of Fame conversation, but regardless of that, I think Backstrom has had an incredible career, he should be proud of everything that he's accomplished, and certainly he is going to always hold a place of honor within Caps fans' hearts. 
Up next, we'll talk about whether or not Winnipeg has any current players who might fit into that same category, especially for Hall of Fame consideration. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about something else that is actually very much tied into Winnipeg itself, and that is Your Story Transmedia, which is a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in the Winnipeg area. Those of you who know me personally know that I love comic books and anime and stuff, and I definitely grew up immersed in nerd culture. It's why I ended up becoming a bit of a hockey geek as I grew older. You know, I'm definitely a fanatic about sports. I, I track a lot of underlying stats, trends, and all that stuff. And in a lot of ways, understanding and appreciating nerd culture made it a lot easier for me to understand and appreciate the intricacies of, of most modern sports. Even still, I definitely like to read a couple of different comics and watch some fun TV series every now and then, and that's why your story caught my eye. They're currently launching a brand new lineup of comic books, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a fusion of Mad Men, X-Files, supernatural elements, and good old-fashioned hard-boiled detective story action. There's that sense of creeping cosmic dread hiding in the background before you catch the familiar, comforting sight of Portage in Maine. I really dig the black and white art style and feel it adds a lot of atmosphere to an already creepy storyline, and I highly recommend you head on over to yourstory.ca and check out the ebook version for just $1.99. You can also purchase limited edition first printing run of The River Knows and all of Your Story's other comic books for just $11.99. And for the gamers among you, be sure to keep an eye out for their soon-to-be-published game, Alien Machine Glow, which centers on the hijinks of a cucumber farmer who gains the ability to see aliens. You can learn more about Alien Machine Glow and Your Story's other properties at yourstory.ca, and be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Jets show. Tonight we are closing ourselves out with a couple of points about who on the Winnipeg Jets might actually make the Hall of Fame, hypothetically, many years in the future, if any of these players could ever actually do it. And I feel like, for obvious reasons, the Jets don't really have many clear candidates. I'm going to pick out three guys who I feel like have a very, very, very outside chance, and it would take a lot for any of these guys to even get close to that kind of career, especially one where they get fast-tracked to a Hall of Fame spot, but let's just imagine the perfect future where something does happen and all three get in. And the first guy we'll talk about is Blake Wheeler. Wheeler, in his prime, was one of the best play-driving wingers in the NHL, and he's also been something of a leader on the ice and off the ice. He often seems like a very outspoken guy. You know, if you follow his social media, he talks about political issues, and he's called out Manitoba's premier, Brian Pallister, on making mask wearing mandatory. You know, this is not a, a sphere that hockey players often get involved in, but Wheeler doesn't really seem to have any issues talking about it, and he's also come out in support of Black Lives Matter. He was one of the earlier white players to do so, especially because some of the stuff was happening within his home state of Minnesota, and it was directly tied into his hometown. That said, I don't know that any of that is really enough to get him into the Hall of Fame, because despite being a top-end forward who has gotten close to 100 points a couple of times throughout his career, he doesn't have the cup win, and he doesn't really have the team pedigree that usually gets you a nomination or a selection. Guys who long-term could be more likely to get in would be Patrick Laine and Connor Hellebuck, and it would take a lot for either of these guys to even be considered. You know, Laine would have to have the kind of career track that takes him along the Alex Ovechkin route, where again, he becomes recognized as one of the top-end goal scorers. But I don't know if Laine will ever win a cup, and I certainly don't know if that's going to be the same case for Hellebuck either. I think that these guys are going to be in a little bit tough, especially if the Jets continue to struggle and they remain with Winnipeg. You know, I think that you have to have the cup win in most most cases, barring some really extraordinary circumstances, in order to really be considered for the Hall. And it is kind of a silly requirement in some respects. I mean, there are plenty of players out there who probably deserve nominations and never won a championship title, but that just kind of seems to come with the territory. I feel like the Hall of Fame 
has these barriers and, and minimum entry requirements that fair or not kind of dictate whether or not you are seen as a really valuable great player not just to your own team but compared to the rest of the league as well and I feel like it, it is a little bit unfair and it is kind of a crazy expectation but it just seems to be how these voters often go and I feel like unless you're making some game-changing contribution to the sport you're probably not making the cut you have to have something significant within your career or that you've contributed to the hockey world other than just having an impressive career and that's why I feel like Winnipeg right now doesn't really have any clear-cut candidates the Jets just don't have enough players who either have a long-term pedigree with this team or have had a really high level of career success or something incredibly important that they've contributed that would be enough to really get you consideration. I think that the Jets need to win a couple of cups first with this existing roster before guys start getting uh, recognized for that. Hellebuck would probably need to win multiple Vesnas, and certainly Lani would need to win a couple of Rocket Richard trophies as well as some other scoring trophies if, if he's able to do something like that. As it is, the Jets just don't have anyone who I think is going to get close to that in the near future, and, and maybe long term we finally get that one magical player through a draft pick or something that just blows our expectations out of the water, but it's going to be a while before we get to that point, and I would much rather have cup wins first before we talk about the Hall of Fame. That's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado, as well as our Locked On Dallas Stars and Locked On Tampa Bay Lightning shows to get more of an in-depth look at the Stanley Cup Finals performances. As always, have a great night, and go Jets go!